Okay, welcome everybody to episode 32 of the Bomber Brothers podcast. As usual, Sean and Ryan with you. We'll have uh, John Becker on today from MLB Death Charts. Also broke the Ichiro news that he would be returning to the Mariners. Um, outside of that, Sean, uh, pitchers and catchers report today. So it's like one of those days where you're so excited that it's the first sign that baseball has come back, but then you realize it still means there's no baseball for a little while, and you kind of have that brief moment of excitement, and then it's back to sulking in the off season. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been really intently watching those videos from about 250 <laughs> to 450 feet away. I think, um, I think Aaron Judge overthrew Clint Frazier. Uh, when they were playing catch, so I'm very worried about him. And it looked like Greg Bird had a couple good swings, so I'm going to draft him first in fantasy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all set for the season now that I've seen those low-resolution videos coming from the reporters. But yeah. in all seriousness, <laughs> it is nice to see the guys get back out onto the field, and uh, it does let you turn your attention to some actual performance matters rather than off-season stuff. So that's been it's been fun. Yeah, it has. And um, not only those uh, bird's eye view, or at least from that distance, maybe not that direction, but all the way behind the outfield wall, you have you have those, and then you also have the videos of players signing autographs. We had we had uh, Tanaka signing autographs. Greg Bird was autographing something on a dog, it looked like. Well, I, I heard the guy wanted him to sign his dog, but he obviously <laughs> wouldn't do that because he's not a psychopath. Yeah. And he signed the, the dog's collar or something like that. So since Greg Bird was playing with a dog, I'm, I'm going to be pretty high on his performance this season. I think it's probably going to be correlated somehow. Usually, usually playing with dogs does help your performance in overall life. So, Well, I mean, David Cohn had to miss a start because of it. Well, this dog wasn't a Jack Russell Terrier. All right, that, that's good. named Veronica. <laughs> Although that did launch El Duque's career. Not launch his career, but it gave him the opportunity to come up. That's true. And still one of the best postseason pitchers we've ever seen. Well, I mean, if that Jack Russell Terrier doesn't bite David Cohn's finger in 98, and El Duque doesn't get that start, do the Indians beat the Yankees in the ALCS? That's a good question, because then if you don't have El Duque, who starts that game? Hideki Arabu? He was American League's best pitcher in May or June or something. I forget which one. It was May. Andy Pettit, I think, was June. Well, right. he wasn't June, but Andy Pettit didn't lose a start in June. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so who knows? That was that was the one That was the one game that year where it actually seemed like the season could be hanging in the balance a bit. Other than that, it was uh, pretty smooth sailing for the Yankees. But thank God El Duque was the one on the mound for that game. So thanks, so thanks to Veronica, if, uh, if she's still alive. Uh, bless you to whoever that was on your uh, end. My wife and I, she sneezed. We're both sick, though, so you might hear me come up, come up soon. Yeah, well, we're all sick, sick and tired of this offseason dragging on. And like we said, we're going to talk to John Becker about um, – the offseason so far what he thinks of the Yankees roster as is but I don't know about you we're not going to get into it too much because there's only so much we can say over the course of the past few months that we haven't already said but this offseason is just becoming an incredible drag at least down the stretch it's 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 like we're back it's like we went back in time to the beginning of the offseason the Yankees had suddenly become the Vegas favorites to sign Machado again and and then 
now it's Andy, back to Andy the White Martino Sox. is tweeting that <laughs> the Yankees are still in on Machado, but it relies on him taking less money. So we're exactly where we started. Yep. So right back to square one. It's uh, a torturous maze that we're going through right now. It's again, I hold I hold no um, positive expectation that the Yankees will sign Machado. I, I think we can I think we can agree that Harper is out. They, I think that's pretty much a hundred percent. In, in my mind, <laughs> Machado, maybe there's a, a small glimmer of a, of a chance because it seems like he wants to play uh, for the Yankees. But nevertheless, there's uh, not much else to talk about other than that we seem to have reverted right back to where we were at the beginning of the offseason. That's, that's probably true. I still have some hope. But, I mean, they have brought back some key guys. They're, I think they'll be a stronger team this year. Um, as Mr. Becker alludes to, it's just a shame because they could have been a juggernaut, but you know, they still are going to be one of the favorites out of the American league. I I do like most of the things they did, um, with, with the pitching, just not with the infield. So yeah, pitching wise, it's been, it's been a solid off season. They, uh, I couldn't really have asked for much more. I, I don't, I don't harbor any ill will about them passing on Corbin and instead, you know, settling or not even settling but going and getting James Paxton I I think he has a much higher ceiling than Corbin so you know good on good on the pitching part but still still there's a superstar out there wants to play for you and while the roster is obviously a contender for the World Series adding a piece like that would probably make them the uh overwhelming favorites favorites. yeah I agree. Hey, before we play the Becker interview, I thought of something uh, the other day. I don't know why I thought about it. I think I was looking at who had signed with the Braves. So I was just looking around, and I saw that McCann, Brian McCann's back with him. Do you think if the Yankees don't trade Brian McCann and kind of keep him around for a year, another year to help uh, kind of season Sanchez as a rookie catcher, that they wind up being the Astros in the ALCS? Because you could have then DH'd one of them, and you're taking McCann out of the Astros lineup that year. It's an interesting question. I, I, they did the right thing by trading him, but I was just thinking about that because McCann had a couple big hits late in that series, and the Yankees got absolutely nothing out of their DH position. So was, yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury was a DH at one point in the playoffs, so that tells you how much production they got out of that spot in he, the He scored the tying run in Game 4, though, <laughs> but I think he was he was pinch running at that yeah, point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was pinch running. Uh, that was, was he pinch running for Headley after he stumbled and fell in the second base? I think that's... I think that was what happened. Yeah, that then, had that must that must have been it. Yeah, and then he scored on Judge's double off the wall. If I remember right, I think that's what it was. But regardless, um, that's that's an interesting question. I, I still I still don't know if that would have been enough. I mean, the Yankee offense away from Yankee Stadium that series was just completely absent. I don't know if I, I'm not sure if Brian McCann's bat would have made the difference. I mean, I, I guess you can argue it could have in terms of maybe games one or two when it yeah, came. they were both one run games. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe maybe it's possible. But um, anyway. Enough of the past. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the past after this interview with John Becker when we do a fun little draft because there's just nothing else to talk about and this sounds like it would be a fun activity. But we'll get to that in a minute. For now, here is John Becker of MLB Depth Charts with his take on the Yankees so far this offseason. So 
Okay, we are joined now by John Becker. He's, you can find his work on MLB depth charts and recently broke the news of the Ichiro signing. John, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and talking with us. And uh, we actually have a rumor, well, which has basically been a nice microcosm of the offseason itself, a rumor that was recently pulled back as just a rumor. But anyway, the Yankees apparently offered Manny Machado $220 million over seven or eight years. Just what do you what do you think of that offer, which obviously seems a bit low given Machado's worth, but um, what were your initial reactions to hearing that? Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on, on a couple of things, one being when the offer was made. We're unclear if it's still... Um, on the table is an offer, um, and also how much the White Sox have offered. It was reported by Buff Scholey and Bob Nightingale that um, there was a seven-year, $175 million offer on the table. Jeff Passon said it was eight years, um, did not attach a dollar figure to it. Um, and Hector Gomez from, uh, from the Dominican said that um, it was an eight-year contract for $250 million. So obviously there's a wide um, variability there, and you know, depending on what the offer is, that makes a big difference as to whether the Yankees' uh, reported offer is the high one or not. So you, we've also heard from Aaron Boone since the Yankees reported for pitchers and catchers that the Yankee, he thinks the Yankees are done making moves. Hal Steinbrenner counters and says never say never. Would you, would you imagine that the Yankees are done making moves, or do you think there's a chance they could swoop in on, on Machado or one of the many remaining quality free agents? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say they're done making moves. I think with so many, with so many players still out there, um, if someone falls into their lap, they'll take it. Um, as for whether Manny Machado would be that guy, I, I don't know. Um, again, it depends on where the White Sox's offer is at, but they seem to be very interested. Um, the Phillies seem to be very interested. Um, Ken Rosenthal reported yesterday that that it's just a big staring contest between. Uh, Scott Boris and, and, and Bryce Harper and, and Dan Mazzano and Danny Machado, who's going to blink first um, because whoever signs first, the other one will have um, more attention peaked on them by the suitors. Um, so, you know, where, where that puts the Yankees is kind of unclear. It seems like they're not interested in Harper at all um, and, and would only do a sort of buy low, so to speak. Um, on Machado, but at this point, it's not looking like either of them are either of the two big free agents are going to waver in their demands. So, John, um, I mean, you know, with with Boone saying they're done, like like Ryan just said, and, and you know, like you saying, it seems like they're not going to waver on, on the big moves. How would you say? How would you say the Yankees did their off season compared to the rest of Major League Baseball? Obviously, there's a still. You know, a few big fish out there, but what do you make of the Yankees' offseason in terms of not necessarily giving it a grade, but just comparing it to the rest of Major League Baseball? Yeah, you know, I, I think some of the fans are going to be, you know, somewhat annoyed that, that Machado and Harper will probably not open the 2019 season in pinstripes. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, that the Yankees have spent $140 million, uh, that second in the league behind only the Nationals. They signed seven free agents, which ties them with the Nationals uh, and the Rangers for most in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, and, and they set out to replace David Robertson. They did that and more by by getting Britton out of you know, um, stabilize the infield with Edie Gregorius out, which which again they more than did enough to do that with um, both Troy Fulitsky and DJ LeMahieu. Um, they brought Brett Gardner and CC Sabathia back. Um, you know. 
they're not expected to have as big of roles as they had three, four years ago, but they're both incredibly useful players, um, of course, for a team to have. Um, and, of course, they made that trade for James Paxton, uh, which is another big move, of course, as well as, as, as unloading Sonny Gray to the Reds. So I think in terms of doing what they set out to do, I think they did a really good job this offseason. I know that, you know, again, there is going to be a certain level of, of discontent from, from Yankees fans about not having Harper Machado, but the fact of the matter is that they've got Stan, they've got Judge, Gregorius will be back hopefully soon after the All-Star break. Um, I, I think right now on paper they're a really good team, um, despite not landing Harper Machado. Well, I'm, I'm glad you think they're a good team, and, and do you think there is, a, you know, obviously not Harper or Machado, but do you think there is any more tinkering that needs to be done uh, to the roster that you would expect uh, Brian Cashman to do as we approach spring training uh, in just a few days here? I, I don't think there's anything really glaring. I think um, if there's any concern, as it is with so many teams, it's that, you know, you never know how your pitching is going to be in terms of guys staying healthy, um, especially with Paxton and Tanaka and Sabathia. Um, but if you can cobble together kind of two full seasons uh, worth of starts out of those three guys, um, I think you're in really good shape because, of course, you've still got um, Domingo Herman, you've got Luis Sessa, you've got Jonathan Moisega, you've got Chance Adams, you've got plenty of guys who can step in um, and take the starts if needed. You don't want any of those guys to make 30 starts, um, but, but the depth that they've been able to keep well still making these moves is really good. Right, and Harper and Machado have been linked mainly to National League teams, but even though with Machado wouldn't be, I don't think, one of the top-tier teams in the American League. With the way their rosters are all constructed right now, uh, how would you, I guess there's really the big four with the Astros, the, the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Yankees. Where do you think the Yankees sit amongst those four teams uh, with the roster as currently constructed heading to spring training? I think there's a very legitimate argument to be made that, that the Yankees are best on paper. Um, I think the Astros um, are the only ones who who you could really maybe argue for um, outside of the Yankees. I think, you know, you look at the Red Sox bullpen, um, to me that kind of immediately disqualifies them. Um, Cleveland's outfield is, is not good. And Francisco Lindor will miss at least the first week or two of the season. Cleveland's um, bullpen is also not good. Um I think Houston's a very well-rounded team, but but so are the Yankees, and I think the Yankees, the depth that they have with the amount of guys that they can just plug and play in the event of an injury um, exceeds that of the Astros um, ever so slightly um, to where I'll give them the edge, I think. So uh, the Bakota projections came out a couple days ago, and, and they also seem to agree that the Yankees are among the best in the league, projected at 96 wins, and, and also don't seem to project much regression from guys like Luke Voigt and um, seem to think that guys like you mentioned, Tulowitzki and LeMayhew, that they will be league average or even slightly above league average hitters, um, even for Tulowitzki, who's coming off a bunch of injuries so what are you expecting from those infielders that seem to have some type of question marks in uh, as they head into the new season i think the good thing is is, is that they're they really have no expectations for Troy Tulowitzki and i think that's why they signed um LeMahieu, which you know well it was maybe a little bit of a hot scratcher the fact of the matter is you can't really count on Troy Tulowitzki for anything um you know, so the event that Chulowitzki's hurt or not producing, you can just slide Gleyber Torres over to short and have LeMahieu play on second base instead of moving around and playing all over the place, which is the plan right now. 
Um, so, you know, is it possible that all three of them, uh, being LeMahe, Tulewitzki, and Boyd, will be below league average? Yes. Um, but in the event that that occurs, they've still got Greg Bird, who, who has become something of an afterthought, but, you know, he can get consistent at bats. He can very well produce more. Um, they've got Miguel Andujar, who, yeah, who well is fielding is still a major concern and probably always will be. He's a pretty safe bat to continue to produce, and, of course, Glaber Torres will continue to produce. So, really, they only need... Um, to figure out kind of where that fourth infield spot goes, whether that's first base or shortstop with the versatility of guys that they can move around. Um, they're not really going to have too many holes in the offense, even if someone's struggling. And I think that's really important. Um, over the course of the season, you're going to have the slows. And they have a lot of guys that can just sub in as needed. And another player who Pakota seemed to favor was Gary Sanchez, who's obviously coming off a really tough year, and turns out he was battling um, other injuries aside from that groin. He had the shoulder surgery, but Pakota has him at 30 home runs and one of the highest DRC pluses on the team. So w- would you agree with that? Do you see a bounce-back season coming from Sanchez? We just saw some video of him taking hacks in the batting cages and seems like the shoulder is coming along just fine so are you expecting the sanchez of 2016 slash 2017 to return yeah i think that's a very reasonable expectation um he was playing hurt for one and went around the dl a couple times um that obviously kind of ruins any groove that you you may have begun to get into before you you hit the shelf um i think that aaron boone wants him to produce needs him to produce and trusts him to produce there there was a big narrative of you know does Aaron Boone prefer Austin Romine uh, because of, of Sanchez's blocking issues behind the plate, um, and the answer is no. I mean, you know, he, he he's the manager for a reason. He knows how good Gary Sanchez is, um, and I think the big reason why why Romine played more is that Sanchez wasn't producing offensively. And if Sanchez is producing like the Sanchez of sixteen seventeen, uh, no one's going to be talking about um, any issues he might be having while he's behind the plate. All right, that's John Becker from MLB Depth Charts, and you can follow him on Twitter as he's breaking legitimate MLB news as of late. So, John, thanks so much for joining us, and um, we're almost there. And uh, enjoy opening day when it comes. All right, thanks, guys. All right, so big thanks to John Becker of MLB Depth Charts. Everyone give him a follow on Twitter, breaking some major league level news lately. And um, Sean, I, I think we both agree with his with his take on the offseason. It's certainly not been a bad offseason. I, I think there are some questions on the infield just based on DJ LeMayhew, how he'll do away from Coors Field, and Troy Tulowitzki because he hasn't been good, been good in almost three years. But other than that, they really bolstered the bullpen back up after losing David Robertson. The starting pitching is better. I think when it comes back to both of us, again, maybe beating a dead horse, but there's still a game changer out there that that the Yankees could get, and I think that's really the only um, lingering negativity towards this offseason. Other than that, I feel like the Yankees have done a good job. Yeah, I, I agree, but I also think part of it is that the Red Sox have done a pretty terrible job this offseason. I mean, their bullpen is, you know, they're going to be pulling guys up off the Somerset Patriots at, at some point if they don't <laughs> get Kimbrel back. So 
and guys keep coming off on like that kind of is the most positive thing is that Boston's just done nothing and sat on their hands. So yeah, I'm, I'm um, still, I'm still fully prepared for them to win almost 95 games. Um, but mm-hmm. I, it, it'll be close. I think they'll be in the low nine. I think what did Pakota have them at? Uh, ninety, maybe ninety exactly. I think they had them. At. Yeah, yeah. I think the Yankees are more than a ninety-win team, though. Me too. No, I, I do too. So. Cool. All right. Well, um, there's there's nothing else going on around the Yankees right now. So why don't we uh, do a little fun oh, activity? Oh wait, oh, wait, hold on. Okay. We have some big news that we didn't talk about. Zach Britton changed his name. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Zach. It's, it's Z-A-C-K now. This is another big piece of news that selfishly happened right after we recorded last week. I didn't I didn't want to sweep it under the rug, Ryan. Yeah, of course. So get in all the jokes about how he bolstered his K rate, and um, I think that was the most frequently used joke after that happened on Twitter. To me, the best part of it had nothing to do with that. It was the replies when someone posted, someone posted a 2016 postseason jersey, and, oh. so, and someone asked if it was game used, and Britain said, "Short answer, no." In all caps. <laughs> yeah, that was that oh, was God. good. Made me like him a little more. He he's uh, yeah. definitely able to have some fun with what was actually a really painful experience for Orioles fans. Yeah, it's so fun, though, those moments where you know what's happening is wrong and then you get proved that you're right and then you just always remember that. Because I think everybody in the world was screaming, why isn't Britain in this game? And, uh, yeah. My my fiancé, you know, she's from, she's from Baltimore, well, the Baltimore area. She's an Orioles fan, but she's not a very avid baseball uh, watcher. But even we were watching that game and she was like, wait – I thought that guy Britain was really good. Why isn't he, why isn't he in the game right now? And I was, that's I was like that's a great question. I think everyone in the world is asking it right now. But um, anyway, so now to our uh, to our little draft that we're gonna do. So let's let's go ahead and have a quick draft of strictly Yankees, but we're drafting by single year performances. So for example. 2007 Alex Rodriguez would probably be a great pick, whereas 2016 would not. And but but wait, if you take 2007, a Rod, you can, can still 2000- you can still take 2005. Do you want to do it that way? Or? I don't think we should. I think we should make it harder. And okay, eliminate it. That's a good idea. Because then we're both going to wind up with pretty much the same exact team, just different just years. different years. Okay, that's that's a good point. So let's do that with um, the position players. Um, do we do it? Do we do a DH so we can have a full lineup? Mm-hmm. and then one starter and one reliever. And then we can compare how the two teams would do against each other and maybe like a one-game playoff or something. But okay. um, So we need to figure out who gets to draft first, and then the next person gets the next two. Mm. I don't know. How do you want to handle that? Well, we can't really throw a bat in the air and then stack just hands. just that joke, yeah. <laughs> um, uh. I don't have a coin on me. Yeah, this is this is gonna. We should have planned this out ahead of time. I think. Um, okay, I have a little paper next to me. I'm just writing on the back of an envelope, and I was gonna keep track of our team. So I'm gonna flip this envelope, and if the and if the side that I'm writing on shows, it, it, I'll go first, and if not, you'll go first. All right, go ahead. Honor system. All right, so I go first. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, w- I would rather have the next two picks. All right, fine. Then let me go first. All right, go ahead. 
<laughs> I'll trade you my pick for uh, cash considerations. All right. All right, go ahead. Oh, wait, we're doing a snake draft? <laughs> well, you pick first, then I'll get the next two, and then we just go 1-1-1. That's one, such one, a one. dad rule. That, oh, I don't like that rule. Why, you right. just want to go 1-1-1? One, one, one? Well, all right, I'll, I'll go first, then you'll get the next two. Well, what, well, you have a say in this. You're a co-host. What would you no, rather no. do? We'll, we'll do it that way, and then we'll go 1-1-1 one, one, one after that. Yeah, yeah. All right, fine. I'm going to take 1923 Babe Ruth. Okay. Um, 1927 Babe Ruth had uh, – actually, 1920 Babe Ruth had the highest WRC+. Plus, but 1923 Babe Ruth also had a defensive rating of 12.6. So, so 1923 Ruth. That's uh, – was he uh, – you putting him in left or right? Because I feel like he was pretty split that uh, I'm gonna I'm going to put him in right. All right, so 1923 Ruth. So that takes Babe Ruth off the board. I'm going to take 1927 Lou Gehrig at first base. Okay. As my uh, as my first pick, and hmm, hmm. let's see. I guess I guess I got an infielder now. I'll go an outfielder. I'll take a uh, 56 Mickey Mantle, the triple his triple crown year. Okay. All right, you're up. Um, I will go with 2007 A-Rod. Solid choice. Can I use him at shortstop since he was the best shortstop on the team at the time? <laughs> I totally agree with that, but no, because he played played third base primarily. Okay. Um, let's go... Hmm... I'm going to go second base, 2012 Robinson Cano. You really went off the board there, huh? I don't think that's off the board. Cano was a monster in 2012. Yeah, I know. I took a lot of flack for picking him first in fantasy that year. I had the third pick overall. Well, that worked out well. It did. All right, so you took Cano? Yeah. All right. I will take 1941 Joe DiMaggio to play center field for me. The 56-game hitting streak here. It's a solid choice. Um, all right, let's see. I'm going to go... 1978 Ron Guidry. Solid. Solid oak. <laughs> it's a pretty good year out of the Gator. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best seasons in American League history. Absolutely. All right. Let me think. Give me a second here. No problem. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're reaching Mike Francesa dead air time. If you all right, I'm sorry. All right, if I if I pick a center fielder, could I move him to left field? That Uh, should be loud. All right, fine. 
I should actually be able to add defensive war to him, too. Uh, I'm going to take 1985 Ricky Henderson. That's a good one. 85 and 86, I think, were his only two full years where he, when he really tore it up for the Yankees. Um, all right, I'm going to keep going around my infield. 1999 Derek Jeter. Yeah, I was thinking about that. That's why I was... I was thinking about doing that to you, but I decided not to. All right, so you got Mr. Jeter. Well, my outfield is set, huh? Uh, yeah, your outfield's done. You have your three outfielders and A-Rod at third base. All right, let's see. Oh, I got a good one. 1986, Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly. Is that the year he edged Winfield for MVP? Three, yeah, 352, 31 homers. That's solid. 394 on base. That's pretty good. Yeah, I would say. Um, okay, uh, right field, 1961, Roger Maris. Solid. Well, you're not going to find anyone else on this team with more home runs that season. So at least I have that clinched. Or any season. Yeah. Well, at least in the American League. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't judge me. Who the hell is Snuffy Sternweiss? Snuffy Sternweiss? It sounds like someone from Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run. Well, according to Fangraphs... <laughs> He had a WRC plus in 1945 of 148. How many at-bats? 717 plate appearances. <laughs> For the Yankees? Uh, yeah. I feel like you have to pick them now. Well, <laughs> I, I might. Um, no, I'll go, uh, I'll go Tony Lazeri, 1929, over there at second base. Uh, 429 on base percentage. Pretty I think – does he still hold the single-game record for 11 RBIs in one game? I I believe so. I don't think A-Rod passed him. Okay. Um, I am going to go 1956 Yogi Berra. I forgot we had to pick a catcher. Shit. Oh, there's there's still a couple good options there for catcher. Now, hold on a second. Can I extrapolate a partial season over a full season? <laughs> no, you can't take 2016 <laughs> Gary and just say that he gets the production over 162 games. Well, that's not very fun. <laughs> can if you want. No, I won't. Because I'm going to take. Still a, there's still a good option. Yeah, because I'm I'm going to take somebody that hit over 30 points higher, had over 30 points more on higher on base, and only hit one less home run. I'm going to take Bill Dickey, 1937. Okay, I actually was thinking you were going to go like 2007 Jorge or something like that. Oh, Jorge had a good year that year. That he did. But, I mean, 
Jorge at 338 with a 426 on base, 543 slugging. Well, Dickey hit slug 570. Plus, um, was a better defender. Okay, this this is where it gets tricky in the outfield because technically, DiMaggio and Ruth are already taken. I already have Mantle and Maris. Mm-hmm. Well, you could put a center fielder in left field. We'll say that's allowed because I did it. I mean, still, it's still, it's still a little tricky. Hmm. All right. Well, while just I just put Snuffy Sternweiss out there, who's gonna, who the hell's gonna know the difference? <laughs> do Do you have it up? What position he played? <laughs> according, according to Fangraphs, he played second base. Oh damn it! Well then. If we had, if anybody actually listened to this, there'd be some old ass guy right now cursing at us, like these young guys who don't know nothing. Back <laughs> in my day, Snuffy was the best there was. I'm, I'm sure that's true. All right. In the meantime, I'm, I'm going to ponder my last outfielder. But in the meantime, I guess I'll go 1996 Mariano Rivera. Oh, I was just going to say I'm going to swoop in and take Rivera from you. A terrible thing to happen. Yeah, sorry. That's fine. All right, well, my pitching staff is set. You, Your position – oh, no, you still need a shortstop. You need a shortstop and your pitching staff. That's it. Uh, yeah, and, and a DH. Oh, yeah, I forgot about DHs. Are we, does it have to be somebody who was like a DH, or can we put anybody there? Um, do you want to do it has to be a DH? Like, I so mean, it's how more about, interesting. How about not like a – I mean, he didn't have to be a full-time DH, but someone like – Like you could take Giancarlo Stanton from this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Or you could put like Jason Giambi, like 2005, 2007. Yes. Okay. But not like 2002 Giambi because he was really first baseman back then. Right. Okay. Interesting. I'll take – I just want to take Cecil Fielder just to say his name, but I won't. <laughs> um, I'll take 2018 Giancarlo Stanton. As your DH? Okay. Yeah. Looking at the other, other options, I mean, unless I take like – Danny Tartable or 2005 Jason Giambi. See, I think I'm going to take 2006 Jason Giambi. And now that leaves you with your shortstop and and two pitchers. And I need a left fielder and a third baseman. All right. Give me a second. Oh, you already have your pitchers, right? Yes, I have Gidry and Mo. So it doesn't matter what order I pick in. Um, all right, I'll take 1950 Phil Rizzuto as my shortstop. All right. Uh, MVP that year, I think. Yeah, I got a lot of MVPs on my team, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> uh, left field, let's go 1984. So you said I can move people around. Yeah, but you can't like put a right fielder in center field. Like that's That, don't, that doesn't work. Well, what if I put 1984 Dave Winfield in left field? Yeah, that's fine. Because he was a left fielder when he first came to the Yankees. Yeah, but he played he played a more right field that year. Mm. All right, we'll give I'll give it to you. I'm trying to see. 
Yeah, Ugh, this is tough. He's primarily a right fielder. I don't know how. I don't know if that's going to be allowed. I'll give it to you. We'll just knock you off like a defensive run saved or something. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. You're up with your, yeah, just your pitchers, and I just need my third baseman. All right. I'm going to go with um, 1997, Mr. Andrew Eugene Pettit as my starter. Yeah, a lot of people remember Pettit from 96 and 2003 having big years, but Pettit went 18-7 and that year. I know, who cares about the record? But he pitched to a 2.88 ERA in the American League East that year. That's solid, yeah. Good pick. Solid, yeah. Solid. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll round out with, well, you have one more pick, but I will finish my team with 1978 Greg Nettles at third base. Mmm, it's a good one. All right. You know, Nettles' son yelled at me. Have I told that story on the podcast before? I don't think so. I know Greg Nettles signed like a blank index card for you. Yeah, I have that. Well, he didn't sign it for me. Mark Simon gave that to me, actually. All right. Um, how about, let's see, 1982 Goose Gossage. Goose? Ugh. Yeah, I know. He's a, sh- Shut your mouth, Goose. But. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Um I wonder who would I wonder who would win this game. I, I would say that you have the advantage at third base because 2007 A Rod was uh, definitely superior to 78 Greg Nettles. Well, I, why why don't we do this? Why don't we take our teams? This will be our homework for this week, and we'll come back next week and save it for the guests. We'll take our teams. Go and find your win probability added for every player, and we'll see who has higher win probability added. We'll reveal it next week. Yeah, that's a good idea. That'll be the winner. Cool. I was not sorting by that, just so everybody knows. Yeah, I, I heard you clicking. You were on I, well, I, I mean, I was looking at you know, WRCS, WRC+, Plus, and I was kind of trying to filter out some defensive runs. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, so what are you looking forward to this week? Well, I guess adding all this crap up there's um i don't know nothing um there's that's nothing re- that's going- really how i feel <laughs> there's nothing going on i'm not looking forward forward to anything um I, I i really started to look at what games i want to go to this year like trying to look at the schedule so maybe i'll sit down and pick out a couple games and text you and kyle and see what games you're interested in going to or something like that oh you know what i'll be corny i'm looking forward to valentine's day uh, it's my first Valentine's Day as a married man. I'm going to make my wife Texas toast pizza. Mm. I got some Texas toast. We're going to put some some pizza sauce on it and some cheese. And we're going to make Texas toast pizza with waffle fries. It's going to be a very romantic dinner. It sounds like it. I was supposed to have off with Ashley, but this snow got my day off switched to today. So uh, that is not what I'm looking forward to because I'll be working. I'm, I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching the new True Detective on Sunday. I love cool. that show, so that's what I'm looking forward to. And uh, I think that's all we got. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, here's my question for this week. What is your preparing for a game, when you're going to a game, ritual? What do you, like, because I do the same thing when I get ready for, for games usually. Like, 
how do you decide on the jersey, what you're wearing, what hat, all that stuff? What's your what's your pregame ritual getting ready to go to the stadium? Well, I only have two in-game hats that I bring that I wear to the game. I have my 09 with the inaugural season. And um someone's knocking at my door upstairs. That's we're going to have to wrap this up. Um so we have I have that hat and then I have my um 2017 Derek Jeter Day hat that they wore when they retired his number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the two that I wear to games. Jerseys are totally conditional. It has to, it depends on, you know, who who's pitching because if I have a Tanaka jersey, if he's pitching, um, I'm wearing that. Um, over the last few years, we've had like Derek Jeter Day and those kind of ceremonies. So I went when they uh, put Mariano's plaque in Monument Park, so I wore a Mo jersey. But I, I it, it always depends. If um, let's see, I wore. I wore a Judge jersey of the wild card game because I, you know, he had just had such a monster year, and I wanted to see him carry it over to the postseason. And he hit a home run, and uh, so yeah, it's it's totally conditional. But it's either those two hats and then a jersey, and then I always just wear a Yankees dry fit underneath. Gotcha. I feel like my sweat smells worse when I sweat into a dry fit, so I don't usually <laughs> I don't usually wear those anymore. I'll usually go with like the jersey underneath, but sometimes those get too hot too. It really. I like that shirt we got with the gift card this year. Uh, when we went to the uh, when we went to the the game. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, cool. Yeah, I mean, if CC's pitching, I wear my CC jersey. I just got to judge one for Christmas, so that'll make its way into the rotation. But I definitely put the jersey out the night before. Get everything ready. I'm ready to go. So I'll let you go because somebody's banging at your door, and I don't want you to leave somebody out in the cold. Uh, someone was probably just leaving a package, but um. Oh, then I wouldn't have rushed through that like that. <laughs> Well, I wear my Yankee socks. I'm always ready. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. In case anyone was wondering what our outfits are for the Yankee games. That's why people can identify us. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's all we got. We'll see everybody next week. And there probably won't be any news to report, but we'll try to think of another fun activity, bring on another guest. Thanks again to John Becker. And thanks, Sean. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to everyone next week. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>